welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast. I say good morning because I'm doing these bumpers here in the morning. Looking out over Red Toolhouse Valley in the snow-covered majesty. And I got to say, for somebody who's been spoiled the last several years of not getting much of a winter here in southern central West Virginia, we've been hammered here in January. Um, My driveway is a skating rink, and it's pretty steep. So it's it's always fun to drive down on the side-by-side to do farm chores because you just don't know where you're going to end up in the pasture. <laughs> Hope everyone is staying safe and warm and secure right now. Uh, updates on the farm. We have taken our um, litter, our full herd. I know technically it's not supposed to be called a herd, but everybody calls it a herd. You call it a sounder. People are like, what are you talking about? Anyway, we've taken our pigs to processing. Picked up our fresh meat already, a couple small issues, but that's getting to the point to be expected with processors these days. Uh, But excited to have that process moved on. Uh, Got my customers taken care of, good sales this year. I actually did a video on our channel that uh, just I just shared last week, and it's kind of funny how it's it's gotten some uh, pushback, uh, which is fine. I expect pushback on everything. I think if I went out and made farting noises with my armpits, I'd get pushed back on how I'm not doing it right. <laughs> That's just the nature of YouTube, right? All, all input is welcome, believe it or not. Anyway, the pushback was I, I listed off my 11 hogs and just wanted to do a profit analysis of that specific litter. Did that specific litter make a profit you know, when you factor in the costs associated with that litter? Now, this wasn't an overall farm profitability, even though some people said, oh, you left that part out, your sows and your boars and all that. Yes, that's taken into consideration with everything, along with the electric bill at the, the barn. All those type of things are factored into the overall farm income balance sheet that we look at. But I wanted to focus specifically on these pigs, and especially along the lines of feed costs going up 30% did it rub against my profitability too much to where I created a loss. And what I did is I broke out, and if some of you guys have watched the video, I don't assume everyone has, so I won't go through and ruin it all, but what I broke out was these options of the pigs I actually sold and the pigs that I trade for beef and the pigs that I put in our own freezer and eat. And it showed that, indeed, we did have a loss, but... Uh, we did have, obviously, we're going to have beef and pork to get us through the entire year. And people said, oh, you can't, you, you got to make sure you incorporate all that. And, and I think maybe some didn't follow the end of the video and see where I said that. But many people said, you didn't take that into consideration. You've got to look at the retail price of what it would cost you to buy that beef and buy that pork. All of that stuff is very nebulous and is going to be very, uh, it's going to have a lot of variables in it based upon where you are and price of beef, all that kind of stuff. So that was the whole point was just to show as condensed as possible and without all the peripherals that, you know, the, to me, the herd was still profitable, even though on paper it showed a little bit of a monetary loss. Anywho. So that's what's been going on here. It's fun. I, I love the feedback. I love the pushback, even when people tell me I'm an idiot or I'm wrong, whatever. I enjoy it, believe it or not. Okay. So enough about me. How have you all been? No, let's get into uh, let's get into some discussion here. Uh, I, I, there's some more updates. First of all, there is a new blog article on the website, so the Pasture Pig website that has you know, gone live this year, and we're starting to get some additional content added. Appreciate everyone that's been checking that out. Um, we've got a new blog, and it deals with kind of a current events thing. It deals with a new PayPal law and how that's going to affect us as pastured pork producers that take transactions, take payments through PayPal. Now, what's funny is, and I get into this end of the blog, is this is actually part of the American Rescue Plan Act that was passed in March of 2021. I love the irony of the title. Um, And it's not just PayPal. It's anything. It's any TPSO, which is a third-party settlement organization. So this could be banks. This could be Shopify. This could be Etsy. There's all kinds of things here that we're talking about. Uh, It really is just a crackdown on electronic transactions that have kind of been falling through the cracks. 
But we get into that in detail. The blog talk about what it is, what it means, and uh, suggestions on how to deal with that on your farm. Um, also, to that same note, so that blog you know, really got my juices flowing. So there's you know I didn't do the word count. Let's say there's probably two thousand words or less of information on that blog. Well, that got me thinking, man, I I need to unpack this with some additional examples, uh, some discussion of how we do things here, and even some takeaways uh, of what what we suggest that you can do. So I made that and expanded, took that blog and expanded into a podcast episode on our Patreon side. So any of our Patreon supporters, uh, you'll be able to see that feed pop up. You'll have access to that. And it's about a 50-minute discussion as to what the law means, how it affects us, and how we at Red Toolhouse, I don't say work around that, but how we deal with it. And it's it really isn't a big shock to us because it's we had things already in place. So check that out. Uh, those of you that are supporters, appreciate it. You can, you can download that. It should be in your feed already. Okay, um, along the same lines of Patreon, I appreciate uh, those of you that have supported. Uh, we added three new supporters here recently. Uh, unfortunately, we lost one, and I fully understand that. I know things change. Um, appreciate the support of that individual that had been with us for almost a year. So that 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 happens, that ebbs and flows. But we had three additional supporters come online, and that gets us closer to our goal of, uh, of launching phase two. So uh, let's see what else. Oh, the uh, talking about the website. So the website and Facebook group. Let's, uh, Facebook group first. Uh, we have the Pastured Pig Facebook group. It is growing slowly and steadily. So if you're listening, you haven't been a part of that, please add it. Again, we're not trying to knock anybody off of anybody else's group. It's just one more additional conversation opportunity to have there. I've had some good discussion already, and I love uh, you guys sharing pictures of, of what's going on on your farm. I think that's uh, that's really cool. You don't necessarily have to come just for a question or a concern, but just simply an update. Hey, this is this is what farm chores look like today, or this is the litter we just had, or this... This is what my sal's got going on, whatever the case may be. I think that's what makes it fun. I love seeing pictures of other people's setups. So be sure to find that out. Just a simple question, very no-brainer question. You answer that, I get a notification, and I can get you approved and get you in there. Okay, the website. Um, Mentioned the blog article, but I'd also like to point out we've got a resources page here that I'd love to, to have your all's input to grow, and specifically with a focus right now of breed associations. I've listed several breed associations. I've found websites, found their Facebook page. But those of you that have specific breeds and maybe you're uh, even associated with the association, you have some contacts there, uh, just email me, Troy at RedToolHouse.com with any of that information, a link to the website, link to the social media page if they have anything online we could link to. If not, maybe just a contact number if, if it's old school and it's just a phone number or an email address. Um, actually, I won't post an email on our website because I know the spam bots can get that, but I, I can actually produce a little contact link that will that'll hide the email. Uh, send that to me and we'll get that posted. And of course, any other resources that you would want to, uh, to add, go ahead and send those as well. Okay, so let's get into our discussion Today, today we have uh, we actually are just taking a a virtual drive uh, down I seventy nine just a little bit to get over into southwestern or central Virginia, and we're talking with Molly Smith Steffi from Copper Penny Farm, and I find myself endeared to Molly uh, for this simple fact: she is doing the same thing I am in the sense that she's fighting the hassle of raising pigs on Appalachian Slope. Uh, she has just as much slope, maybe even more than I have, and uh, the challenges that go along with that. So um, I'm dear to her just for that fact that she's uh, she's having to tolerate that. But I'm going to move on, let her tell her story, and we'll wrap up on the backside. Today I have another great uh, interview lined up, actually not very far from me. In fact, if... If uh, Molly got in a boat and floated down the New River, she would actually be less than 100 yards from where I am now. Now, it may take a couple months, <laughs> but she's <laughs> yep. not that far away. So uh, we have Molly from uh, the Copper Penny Farm. Welcome, Molly. Well, hello there. Well, I'm glad you could uh, join us. It's my understanding you are you're actually sacrificing a little bit to actually be on the podcast. You're, you're, you're not on the farm right now, are you? 
No, I'm not on the farm. I'm sitting in a parking lot. <laughs> I got to drive. I have to drive out the holler about a mile or so and t- make a left turn. And here I am in a parking lot. <laughs> yeah. All right. So in case some of y'all are confused, no, Molly is not from upstate New York. She is in Austinville, Virginia, which is actually, as I mentioned, which is just up the New River from us. So uh, a little mm-hmm. geography lesson for everybody. The New River, oldest river in the United States, or North America, they say, dumps yep. it, dumps into the Canal River, which actually flows right past the office that I'm sitting in right now. I could almost throw a rock into the Canal River if I had a good arm. Well. So anyway, a little geography lesson passed there. So Austinville, uh, Virginia, which is... Um, as you mentioned, pretty rural, and the topography, uh, I've been through those areas many times, love that area of Virginia. To me, that's southern West Virginia, but they still want to call it Virginia. But it, Yes, it's southwestern Virginia, <laughs> and that does not mean I live in West Virginia. <laughs> now, now, wait a minute. Are you saying that people confuse when you say you live in southwest Virginia, they think you live in West Virginia? Oh, my gosh, you would not believe. People will message me all the time, and they'll be like, so I see that you said you were in southwestern Virginia. Well, I'm in West Virginia, so we're close. Like, you're in West Virginia. I'm like, no, man, I'm in Virginia. That's funny. <laughs> see, now that's 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 funny because I've never heard a Virginian argue about being confused for West Virginia because we always get, we West Virginians always get, oh, what state are you in? Oh, I'm in West Virginia. Oh, we've got friends that live in Richmond. I'm like, that's great. Yeah. That's a different state. Well, <laughs> and, you know, and that's another thing, too. People... People really forget that there is a southern part of Virginia. They think that it ends at, like, Richmond. Exactly. Yeah, they're like, oh, you're close to D.C., aren't you? It's like, no, no, not at all. No, (laughs) not even close. (laughs) Right, right. Well, all right. Well, so tell me about the Copper Penny Farm. Kind of give me that uh, 40,000-foot elevation of your setup there. All right. So the Copper Penny Farm, we started it in 2018. Um. My husband, he is, he was active duty Navy and we lived in Europe and Hampton Roads and we moved to North Carolina and everything. And I was just tired of it. I had a professional career in uh, transportation and my husband was gone a lot on deployments. So I wanted to sort of move back home and uh, I'm originally from Russell County. And we come back, we searched in North Carolina, Virginia, Tennessee. I mean, we went everywhere. (laughs) And uh, I stumbled upon this property, and uh, we drove down this little pig path that's down there, and we knew that that was the place we wanted to be. Excellent, excellent. And uh, so we moved down here, and uh, right in the holler, we're the only ones in in the middle of, you know, 1,000 acres or so of of woods. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I started out, my husband, he's like, you can get chickens. So I got me a few chickens. And then I was like, you know, I want a pig. So (laughs) I got to looking up pigs and I researched a lot and I figured out that I wanted a red wattle. I purchased a pregnant sow that was due within a month of me getting her. (laughs) And and then I went from there and I've added one old milk cow, Wilma. I got her. She was pregnant also. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I got some Katahdins and, um, but mainly we got nine dogs too. So, but mainly uh, I've just put my focus in basically to the red wattle hogs. And the, the actual farm that we purchased, um, it had been worked in a long time but um, it was a hog farm. Um, he had a little over 100 hogs, you know, every year. And he butchered for meat and sold meat. That's what he did. Hmm. And uh, But he hadn't done it in seven or so years. He actually had five heart attacks. And uh, so some of the setup was still there, but a lot of it was just run down. So three years of putting everything together and trying to make it look halfway decent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. That's that's an amazing story. I, I would assume the farmer after the fifth heart attack probably realized he needed to make a change somewhere. Oh, um, yeah, yes, he did. And, you know, uh, the people that we bought the farm off of, they, they're super people, and they've really helped me out a whole lot. And they actually live across the mountain from me. They they live in a little single-wide trailer now, and they just do their own little thing. But. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they enjoy that the hogs are back on the property. Yeah, love it, love it. Now I, I have to point this out, Molly, and please don't take this the wrong way. I'm not making fun of you because you you're you're my people. I can tell. Um, 
that that you've already used so many Appalachian terms that uh, that we, we may have to we have to geek out here and, and do some vocabulary a little bit. But I love the fact that you said they live across the mountain, which is which is pretty much how you give directions in West Virginia or, or Virginia when it's talking about uh, going from point A to point B. You go on this road, you go across the mountain. Yes. Yeah. So, excellent. I, I crack up because I worked in transportation, right, and public transportation, and. Uh, we would have when I moved. I did it in the city, and when I moved back here, uh, I missed how people give directions because <laughs> somebody, you know, would call in and you'd say, "Well, where do you need picked up at?" And they'd say, "Well, you know, at Blue House up there, past Tommy's on the left." And I'm like, "Yeah, I do." <laughs> exactly. That that's the beauty of that is is. The guy that maybe hadn't lived there for forty years, and like you remember Buddy's old place, yeah, you just yes, yeah, where he had the car up on blocks, yeah, you just go past that. And, oh, yeah. and we crack up because my husband's mom she refers to everybody to where they sat at in church. <laughs> so she'll always say, she'll always ask, "Do you know Mary? You know she sat three pews up to the left of Poppy in church." That's right. <laughs> like, no, I don't know them. <laughs> That is excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is great. All right. Well, obviously, we, we're going to get down the Appalachian rabbit trail here if we don't watch it. But uh, yes, but we no, will. No, I appreciate that. Very good. All right. So, um, so you gave me the overview there. Let, let's unpack some of the details. Okay. So, so looking at this property and, and and looking at some of the pictures on your Facebook page, and I'll share that in the show notes. So you guys can look at them too. Again. That that just reminds me of of where we are, and I love that. I love the lay of the land like that. You've got the the, the secluded valleys. You got the nice mountains. All the Appalachian hardwood there that gives you so much opportunity when it comes to grazing and, and other things. Yes. So it sounds like with this farm, though, some of the infrastructure was already there. Did you guys have to to build a lot? Did you have to change a lot since it was already a pig pig farm? So we did have to change a lot of things. So basically what it was, he did basic commercial, I call it hillbilly commercial, stall farming. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, pigs are separated up into pens and stuff like that. And um, and a lot, some of that was still there. A lot of it was not. And so what we did is we just fenced off uh certain pastures is what we did and uh use that the only infrastructure that i've really had to build is i do raise mine you know like you said in the woods and in you know they have some grass too we had to build a few hog huts and um i took one building that was already there and i constructed it into a farrowing uh barn and i put three farrowing stalls in there and that's basically really all that we had to do. It's just getting the housing structure to what suited what I was trying to do, which is raise them basically as natural as I can. Yeah, yeah. So, so I assume so. If he was doing like a, a like you said, minimal confinement, so uh, just basic uh, paddocks or, or even just corrals, was there a, a waste management thing that he had in place? Was he was he shoveling manure? Is that something you you guys had to to pick up and work with, or had the farm set follow enough since you guys came on it? It had, it had set good enough by the time we came on it, so we really didn't have a lot of that. the The only issue that we really face is rock. So <laughs> there is there is a quarry that is um, up the road from us. It's an old it's an old quarry. Yeah. And so we literally live in a rock bed. <laughs> and uh, so the only thing that I've really had to deal with is the hogs love to dig up them rocks. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Yeah, they're little gravel makers, that's for sure. Oh, my gosh. they And they have dug up so much stuff. The man that lived there, I mean, he lived, he built the place. So they built it from scratch. And, you know, uh, we've had some crazy stuff be dug up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I bet. Yeah. We do t- yeah. We get the same thing where being an old farm where we took it over, it's, it's the pigs unearthed things. And it's like, where in the world did that come from? Uh, yes. <laughs> Very good. Very good. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, I want to back a little bit up to, to kind of the rationale behind the why. So why yes. did, what was your husband's name? Ryan. Okay. So why did Molly and Ryan decide uh, to come up the farm or come up the valley, look for this place and, 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 and 
go this direction. I assume Ryan still has an all farm job, and, and maybe you do to some degree. So, so yeah, what was the genesis of that? What what led you to do that? Was it just get out of the rat race type of thing? Yes, we. I mean, we traveled around and did a lot of things, and you know, we both lived our own lives, <laughs> and uh, you know, we just got tired of. I mean, I was working. I was working 60, 70 hours a week, and, uh, you know, he was gone a lot on deployments, and I was just tired of my paycheck going into my bank account, but I really didn't spend it on anything I wanted, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so we just decided that we wanted to be out away from society and, you know, get a peace of mind and actually, you know, live what I call a real life. Yeah. And uh, and so that's what we did. We found a place deep in a holler, and that's where we are. Now, is he still active duty? Uh, so he finished his active duty almost two years ago, went oh. to the reserves. He did 13 years active, um, and then his reserves, fifteen his 15-year second-year reserve ends in February. And uh, he's actually retiring from that, and he drives uh, for UPS. Oh, okay, yeah. Very yep. good. Yes. Very good. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the Navy. It probably is run about the same way, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, working all day and delivering packages all day. But, yeah. it, you know, but it is a good job. But uh, Ryan, he he was about, he wanted seclusion. And when I got down there, I wanted animals. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the hogs and everything, that basically comes from me just wanting hogs and saying, you know, I think we're going to get a hog. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you bring up a good point. And we've run into this, you know, with the 70 some interviews we've done, we, we run into this from time to time. And so I want, I want to have you speak into this a little bit. How, uh, with, with Ryan wanting to be secluded, you guys come up this hollow. Obviously, you're, you're very rural. Uh, you make this investment up there. You want to dive into farming and not only just animals as pets, but you're turning this into a business. So yes. how, does, how does Ryan. Is that one of those things where Ryan's like, yeah, 100 percent support you, do what you want to do, but I'm going to do I'm going to do my gig. Or is it is this a joint effort? Would you say you're 90 percent farmer and he's 10 percent? How, how would you break, how would you break that out? So I think it's it is a joint effort. Um, you know, if the mornings he gets up and he helps me feed and water and then he goes to work and then I do what I do during the day. And then when I feed in the evening times, because he usually doesn't get home until late. Yeah. Um, I think it is a joint effort, but he basically just threw his hands up and embraced my crazies. I think what happened. <laughs> that is a very smart man. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because I'll tell you, I got so I got my pig. I got my first red wattle sow, and she was pregnant. And then uh, Ryan, he said no more because first time fair wings. I mean, that can be traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you you think these little baby pigs are going to come out and all's going to go well, and then the crap hits the fan. <laughs> you know, and so after that, after my, after our first farrowing, he's like, no more animals. And then two weeks later, I had a pregnant cow come to the house, <laughs> <laughs> and then it just went on from there. Yeah. And he just said, "I guess we'll just go with it." Just really put his foot down, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, yep. I know what that's like. All right. I I think the thing about it is though is you know you have to be friends first and foremost. Yeah. And uh, to do this, we do argue and bicker and we do cuss and fuss around. But at the end of the day, we do love what we're doing. Awesome. Awesome. Good deal. Yeah. I I mean, I I love that. And I don't think, and this is what we'll get into a little bit, because I want to talk about um, women and pig farming a little bit with you before we close out. But but I I think that's so important to say, yeah, whether you're going to take it on 100%, even if you tell your your significant other, well, I'll take responsibility for this. When when some when when you can work out an agreement where you step up and you just help one another out, you you, you sacrificially yes. give for one another, or whatever it is. Whether it's you got to help him for some reason unload the truck. Obviously, I know you wouldn't do that, but uh, but yeah. you know, something that he's doing that you help do, something that you're doing that he helps do. I mean, that to me, that's what that's what a, a good marriage or a good relationships all about is is pouring into that. So that's that's good stuff. It is, yes. Uh, Okay, so we've talked about the red wattle. You got that first pregnant. Was it a guilt or a sow? It was a guilt, wasn't it? Pregnant guilt? It, now, she was a sow. Oh, okay. She had had 
she had had one litter before and uh i posted i see i grew up with durox and durox hamsters mm, yeah and so we you know we bought those and we did slaughter for families that, that's what we did we never had farrowed or had piglets or anything like that um, so I got to researching and I knew that I wanted a red hog because growing up, that's all my daddy said was a hog isn't no good if it ain't red. So <laughs> I knew I wanted a red hog and, um, but I, I didn't think that I wanted Duroc. I wanted something a little different yeah. and I found the red wattles and I posted that I was looking for a red wattle and, um, not very many people contacted me. But this one guy out of Ohio did, um, Aiden Tackett, he contacted me, and uh, he sold me Penny, and that was a bit of a disaster. We had to chase her for two and a half hours, so, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, he did, he sold me Penny, and I love that, I love that pig, and she has been what really was the gasoline to my fire, and uh, Aiden, and I'm thankful for Aiden every day that he introduced me into, you know, Red Waddles. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And that, that was going to be my next question is is why that choice was a matter of convenience. But it sounds like um, sounds like that was something you were specifically going after with with the red hog, but yes. uh, but then being able to, to fall into red wall. So so other than the personality of Penny herself, what have you discovered about the red wattle that makes you think this is the breed we want on our farm? So I got so Penny is Red wattles are known to be very uh, docile. You know, they have great temperaments. Um, they're very hardy animals. Um, you know, they take on the winter good. And we live down there in that valley, so, you know, the snow will pile up down there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but now Penny does have a little bit of a temperament. Like, she doesn't like men. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what made me really like Penny is just her, when she had her babies, she was such a wonderful mother. Um, she had great mothering instinct, and she raised healthy-looking babies. I mean, they were all very sturdy and stout. And so I was like, well, you know, I like the motherly instinct of them, and they're a red hog, and she's a big girl. So um, I decided that I wanted to get a few more just to test it out. So I went back to Aiden, and uh, I bought two more sows off of him. And it was the same thing. They are just super great animals. And they keep their weight really well after they farrow. Mm. And um, they're not, they are, they don't get too big, but they're not too small. You know, they average around, my sow's, one sow's about 750, one sow's about 550. So um, they don't get super big, but they're, they're just great animals all around from the, from them as their temperament is all the way to the meat that gets put on the plate. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And that's, that's important. I know um, you, you run into a situation where a lot of people are selecting breed based upon a very specific characteristic. I, I want a quality uh, you know, back fat, a fat cap. I want this, I yep. want this type of marbling. And then I'm getting a yep. pig that, that like you said, maybe loses weight during farrowing. Maybe it's you know, temperamental. Maybe it's just extremely aggressive on the pasture. You know, there's yep. all these type of things that when you look and, and collectively at all of these characteristics that's where you can make maybe your best decision for a long-term breed line yeah and that's and that's what i try to tell people especially because i do have a lot of people that will contact me and you know they're trying to decide on what type of hog they want and i you know i love the red wattles and i do try to promote them as good as i can but the thing is is you know a red wattle may not be what fits your style so I try to help them find something that fits them. May it hopefully it's a red wattle, but it may not be. You yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, let's let's talk about this. Let's 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 go back a little bit. You you, you gave us a little bit of overview of your farm. So it's my understanding that it's about seventy acres. And looking at your pictures here, it looks like it has a similar layout to my farm. You know, the typical. Uh, valley with west with with mountains on either side and yes and, and you run you run your pigs primarily through the woods so explain your layout how you balance a the topography and uh, how that comes into place when you're you're defining your your pastures quote-unquote woodlot pastures and then you know some of the challenges when it comes to water and those type of things so um yes i live we do have a bit of a valley but now only 
maybe max seven acres is pasture. And, you know, and it's hard to, when you got a house that's on that and you got a barn that's on that and you got other animals. Yeah. Um, it's hard to do just your pasture rotation with all of them. Um, so, and then, you know, I got pretty steep hills and it is much like what yours is. Cause I've seen the way that yours is up in the mountains, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what we decided to do is we just fenced off sections and I tried to give at least part of a flat section at the bottom for them all. And then we run it up in the woods um, for water, <laughs> I have water everywhere, so I'm very blessed with that. Yeah. Um, I try to connect my lots to where I do have hydrants, which they are pretty well everywhere, hmm. except for one lot. I don't have a hydrant, and that's the most aggravating thing is hauling water. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when, I, you, when you said you had water everywhere, I'm thinking, okay, she's got springs, she's got natural resources, but you're saying the, the existing or the, the former property owner put all of the, put this infrastructure in place. Yes. So I have, yep. I have hydrants on, uh, I have around six hydrants and they are, um, connected. Two of them are connected to a spring that also feeds our house. And then the others are connected to, to the whale and those feed our house also. But, um, on one side of it, there is no, um, there is no hydrants, and he didn't have hogs on that side of our property. Ah. Um, so that's the reason I'm guessing that he didn't put them over there. And that's the most irritating section <laughs> is to figure out. Because, you know, it's starting to get cold now, and then troughs freeze up, and i got to haul hot water out there. Yeah. 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 No, I, I can definitely sympathize with that, that that there's certain areas in the woodlot that, that we've got busted up. And it's like this time of year – there's enough water coming out of the springs or some of the seeps yeah. and some of the small creeks that it's fine, but then certain times it's it's a dry bone, so it becomes, becomes a bit of an issue and hauling yeah. water is a pain. And, and another thing, you know, is having the ability to run hot wire, um, you know, to run electric wire. I, I, until I'm trying to get some hot wire put up by the end of the month, yeah. um, but we have only used field fencing you know, until now. And then that's getting a little agitating (laughs) because, you know, they figure out that they can get through it. Uh, But it's just, you know, having power and I haven't, on one side of it, I'm going to have to run some solar fencing. Mm. um, And I haven't, I haven't gotten into that yet, but that's on my plan for this month. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this, and it's, it's interesting with your topography and that's similar to mine. and, And I know, I'd, well, I don't want to say I don't know. There's a percentage of people that, that have to deal with the same thing that you and I deal with when it comes to woodlot pastures, all the uneven ground, running fence. You, know, you, mm-hmm. you, you, stretch, you stretch 100 feet of electric uh, fence line and you realize, okay, right here I'm two inches off the ground, but right here I'm four feet off the ground because of <laughs> yes. the uneven, uh, uneven lay of the land. So that makes it a challenge. But um, I, I love what you pointed out, and this is, I think is is worthy of underscoring again the way you've laid out your paddocks where you're coming down the mountain but you always have this front portion that's down on the flat that's accessible by a piece of equipment flat so you've mm-hmm. got you know waters water troughs you've got feeders you've got this opportunity to have a flat area to interact with the animals and, and to do that type of stuff right yes and that and it makes it easy and i don't have i don't have a big herd you know, I have nine hogs right now and a mixture of gilt, sows, and boar. But um, I try to keep my herds small that way that I can pay attention to them. And I'm all about, quant- you know, quality over quantity. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but having them able to come down to that flatland to where I do feed them and I can oversee them and see what's going on instead of searching, you know, through the woods. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, really does help out, but you know, running fence through the woods, like you said, it's not, it's not ideal. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've had to use so many T posts, you know, to pull the fence down in gaps and stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's aggravating. Oh yeah, yeah, it 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 looks like some lunatic 
ran the fence line with all the posts. Oh yes, and, uneven and the and, only thing yeah. the only thing good about it is you don't have to buy posts because you can use the tree. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then and then the 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 person that comes on thirty years later, like I had to run into when I run my sawmill, every single tree that I hit, it's like, why is this tree full of barbed wire? Why is this tree full of fence line? Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> part of it, right? All yep. right. So uh, actually, another question. So how's how's the mast been down in your neck of the woods this fall? How's the what been now? I'm sorry. The, the mast. How's how's the nut production been on your hardwood trees this fall? Have you had a good? Oh, uh, it, it's super good. So, you know, when I got into this, I didn't realize the benefits of putting hogs in the woods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, you hear a lot about pasture raised. Okay. And you think that you got to have all this green, luscious clove and grass, you know, clover and everything. And I didn't much have that. (laughs) So um, I researched a lot and I I started following some people on Facebook and Instagram that were raising theirs in the woods. And I was like, well, gosh, there's so many benefits to it, you know. And all the all the nuts that fall down, even, you know, some of the trees, they get a lot of the nutrients and fiber and stuff out of leaves on the trees. Right. Right. Like a goat would, you know. And I didn't realize any of that until I, you know, decided that I was going to have to put them in the woods. Um, But it is a major difference. You can tell a major difference in the ones that get to go into the woods and they get those extra nutrients and all those, all those proteins and fibers up there. You can tell a difference between those and those that are raised on actual pasture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I would, I would agree 100%. In fact, I'll, I've got a, uh, I've got a litter that'll finish in uh, January. So they're going to be processed the end of January. So they've been able to spend all of this fall, uh, and they're growing just on mass, and we've had an incredible production. I mean, the uh, the acorns have just been ridiculous, and so are the hickories. Yes. And yep. and yeah, I, I agree. I, I can definitely tell when I process a group that was able to finish, or, or at least you hit kind of the mid of their lifespan on um, on the past or on the in the forest with the nuts versus. You know, a, a group that finishes in the spring or finishes in late summer that really hasn't had a chance yeah. to hit any of that mass. It, it is. It's very noticeable. It is noticeable. And, you know, one thing that I got into this, you know, sort of being new, growing up, you know, it was you raise you raise your pig and you feed it a bunch of corn right before you finish it off. And, <laughs> right. you know, that and that's how we do it here. You know, people will, uh, you know, feed them that corn for about two months and get them. That's all they get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, when you tell people that they're eating nuts and they're eating, you know, even tree branches and limbs and leaves and all this stuff, they don't they don't believe that hawks do that. Right, right. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I'm like, oh, but they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is a major difference. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess so. It sounds like your neck of the woods is similar to mine, with even the the history of pig farming in the area. So my late neighbor loved him to death, uh, you know, miss him dearly, but he always would give me a hard time about my pigs not being in a six by six pen. He's like, ah, yes. your, your hogs are running off all their weight. They're running off all their weight. You got to get them. You got to get them confined, and and that's the yeah. way. That's the way he raises pigs. And it, yep. it's just funny what you know, some of the old timers come around. And they're just like, boy, this, this boy must be city boy because he doesn't know what he's doing, having his pigs run all over the place. So it is an interesting change in the philosophy of, of pig farming that these people are having to, to see or having to adapt to. Yeah. But, you know, even, you know, before the old timers, they had them in the woods. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's you like, know, and then it got to where it's like mass production and you got to fatten them up quick. So then they go to confinement. And then that's what everybody thinks is the way that it should be, you know, and people will come down my holler and they'll see these pigs running all over the place. Yeah. And they're like, what is this woman doing down here? <laughs> exactly. yep. She's lost her mind. <laughs> She's lost her mind being there. Were. Yeah. So uh, along that same line, I, I know you, you talked about farrowing, that that is the one time that you do, quote unquote, confine your pigs. And that's just obviously putting them in a temporary holding area. Explain, yes. to, explain to our listeners. And I, I mean, I know the answer being a being a, a mountain guy as well. But explain yes. why you don't let your pigs just farrow out in the woodlot. So 
I did let one of my sows farrow in the woods. Mm -hmm. And that's because, and it was Penny, my first sow that I got. She farrowed her first litter in a stall. And she's just too big for that stall. Mm -hmm. She was too big for that. She needs room to move around. Mm -hmm. And so I let her farrow in the woods and she raised you know, 13 babies out there in the woods, but it was a, oh, it was hell on earth trying to catch them babies. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, because they train them and they, they understand how to get away from you in the woods. Right. Exactly. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. (laughs) So, uh, I decided to put them into a fairing stall and I build it big enough. So all of mine are based roughly, and either an eight by ten or a nine by ten stall, mm-hmm. yeah, with bumper boards, um, so that you know the babies can have somewhere to go to. Mm-hmm. And I did that basically because it's a controlled environment. And you know, if there is a sick pig, then I can get to it. <laughs> you know, uh, it also lets me control if they need heat or not. When you leave them out there in the woods to do their thing, it is a good thing for them to do that all naturally. But in the end, it's way more work for you as the farmer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just put them in a, I put most of mine, except for that one, in a controlled environment. That way I can see what's going on and I can be there in case something needs to happen. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. There's there's the element of that control. And yes, it's it's totally different than trying to round up a sow and her new litter in the woods compared to a sow and her new litter just out in the middle of a grassy field. There's, there's. Oh yes. <laughs> so, and especially if you got a mommy that don't want you around them. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cause, cause that's the thing. And, and again, I love, I love my flatlanders out here that listen, but a flatlander doesn't just doesn't fully understand if they haven't been on these type of mountains, just, you can't just go to a certain spot on the side of the hill and say, well, that's where I'm going to go with my side by side or my tractor to fetch this, this litter, yep. you, know, you, mm-hmm. you have to have access. You have to have a road. It could be that you know the Appalachian forest is so dense that you you can only walk, and, yep. you, and you need to have one hand to hold onto the tree to get up the side of the mountain because it's so steep. So, definitely a yes. lot of lot of challenges there. It is a lot of challenges, and you know, I uh, we can't access ours uh, once you get into the woods. You know, you're you're walking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you can't really access it. So. You know, I'm just, I'm too big to be chasing pigs around in woods, Troy. (laughs) I'm too big to be doing that kind of stuff. (laughs) Uh, I can, I can sympathize with that. We have about a 400 foot elevation difference and it seems like any time a deer blasts a fence, it's always at the top of the mountain where they break through it. So it's like, Mm -hmm. if I can't, if I don't, if it's not where one of my roads are and I can't drive up there, then I got to huff up the side of the mountain. It's like, man, I'm almost 50 years old and I'm about 40 pounds overweight. This is about to kill yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, I had um, those piglets that were born in the woods. They they figured out that they could get it out about anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, I came home, and they were all out in the driveway, in the road that leads <laughs> to our house. And the more I chased them, the more they went up the road. Right. And I said, oh, gosh. So I just quit, right? And they scattered up in the woods and everything. By the time my butt got back to the field where they're supposed to be, they were all just laying in the field with their mommy looking at me. This guy's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, where you been? Yep. Yeah, where you been? Yep. Same thing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk about. I want, I want to talk about the business side of this a little bit. So I understand uh, from the information you sent me that you do offer um, not only. Uh, pork, you you sell. I assume holes in half. Looks like cuts, but you're also selling breeding stock, right? Because you, your your red wattles, you do have registered options with that. Yeah. So my so I started out and I wanted to do because you know the tradition of um, culling pigs is the Appala- we call it the Appalachian tradition, whatever. But scalding and scraping, you know, that's yeah. gone. Yeah. Um, you know, 90% of the people that you know, they're skinning their hogs. Right, exactly. And then you lose a, you lose that good old hanging country ham when you do that. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> so I, agree. Um, I started off and I was like, you know, because there was a, a killing station on my property. And I was like, I'm going to sell holes and halves and we're going to scrape and that's what I'm going to do. And then... 
you know, everything went up and feed went up and all that. And the price that I would have to put my pork at in the community that I live in, they're not going to pay that. Yeah, yeah. So I decided to strictly stay with breeding stock. Hmm. And so what I do is, is I, I do have a mixture. I have a mixture of uh, registered purebred. All my stock is purebred. Um, so I have registered and unregistered. And I do sell some registered stock. I sell some unregistered, you know, breeding stock. And then the rest of them I'll sell off to people who want to grow out feeders. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I try to stick with the baby pigs, Troy, because they make me happy. Right, exactly. <laughs> Kill, I, to raise them baby pigs and then got to slaughter it, my heart just can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and it's a good turnaround, too, because if you're, well, you probably yes. do, you wean at six to eight weeks, I assume, somewhere around in there. Yep, I, I try to wean mine. I, I take them completely, well, I take them partially off the mommy at six weeks old. Mm, okay. And so they'll be off their mommy all day, and then I'll put their mommy in with them at night. I'll do that for about a week or so, and then I'll really remove them from their mommy going about eight weeks old. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, I wean them off that way. But it is better for me, money-wise, you know, in the economic situation that we're in where I live at, um, it's better for me to sell them off, you know, as wean piglets, as it is for me to keep them and feed them out. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're exactly right. And that's, and that's something that's so important that there's what the heart wants and what the wallet wants. <laughs> so, yes, so there you, is. yeah, you obviously don't want to do stuff just for money, but you want to make sure that your passion, your dream still fits your budget and you don't end up three years down the road and, and Ryan's coming out and saying, all right, Molly, we're absolutely broke. You know, you need to, you need to get rid of all this because we got nothing. So, oh uh, yes. Yeah. And you know, I worked, I worked full time until I was working full time and Ryan was working full time, but we were trying to farm and it just was not working out because <laughs> mm. I couldn't take care of everything, you know, the sure. way that I needed to. Yeah. And I just on a whim quit my good job mm. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it, they say it takes money to make money, which is which is very true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, if I sometimes don't look at money the way other people do and I just go a little bit crazy on things. So I, Ryan being there trying to calm me down really helps me out. <laughs> so it sounds like he's the financial voice of reason. Uh, to some extent, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Perfect, perfect. But, but you do, and I tell people that, you know, I had somebody that called me, and they wanted eight pigs off of me, eight piglets. Hmm. They had never raised a pig ever. Yeah, wow. And I, I told them, you know, I would love to sell you eight piglets. I would love that. But at the same time, you know, you really have to research because raising hogs is not easy. Yeah. You know, it's not what people think it is, and they will eat. You know, they'll eat the wallet up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's you know, it's, you have to go by what you really can afford. Like you said, not what your heart wants, but what you can afford. Right. Yeah. 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 That's that that happy balance you got to find. And it's, man, especially with somebody starting out, I, I'm with you. I would cringe if somebody said, "I'm getting, I'm just starting out with pigs, and I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to buy an entire litter off a guy. I got, I got eight pigs coming." Then it's like, "Oh no, here we go." <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. And I tell people, I learned the hard way. You know, I bought a pregnant sow, and I didn't know what I was doing. Oh yeah. But but I figured it out, and uh, you know, I, I learn every day, and that's and that's the, also another thing is is I tell people, you know, don't get so discouraged mm. because stuff does happen, you know, and it's all a learning process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you learn learn every day. Pig pigs are always going to give you an education, no matter what you do with it. So. Oh yeah, and I tell people also because they'll say, "Well, you know, I've been reading this and reading that," and I'm like, "Well, you can read as many books as you want, <laughs> but when you get them, it's going to be different." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, what does your book say about it when the processing day is come and you can't get your pigs loaded in the trailer? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like I got this pet pig. Uh, well, she is a guilt. Uh, she's a uh, unregistered full blood red wattle mm. and she was born um the runt of the litter of my first litter that i had and she was born with a dislocated hip mm. 
And uh, she walked on three legs for uh, the first couple months of her life. And then all of a sudden she started using the other one. So Mm. anyways, she's super friendly. I love her to death. Her name is Peg Bundy. (laughs) And uh, I had to take her to the vet because she had an umbilical hernia, Mm. right? Yeah. So I had to take her to the vet. And I was like, my dad came over, Scotty, and my Uncle Benny came over. And I had this trailer, and I was like, yeah, she'll be easy to load. Don't y'all worry. She's friendly. Yeah, it did work out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It didn't work out. So, yeah, you know, loading hogs or anything like that, you know, you can't get a manual out to tell you how to do it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, well, um, one more question. Well, actually, several more questions, but we'll we'll get yeah. close to wrapping up here. So, what what is your five year plan or goal in five years for Copper Copper Penny Farm? Where do, where do you see the farm in five years? Well, in five years, I hope I have more money than what I have. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> but no, in five years, I would really like to have an established red heritage red wattle production is what i would like to have um as much as i love all the chickens and the you know my donkeys and cow as much as i love all them i'm really dedicated to the red wattle and i really want people to know me for that you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. i want to produce good breeding stock i want to have a good line of red wattles that is consistent you know And I want to be able to provide, you know, consistent litters to people, either that be for feeders or for breeders. Yeah. That's what, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah. That, that's good to focus in that specific area and then just, just try to be excellent at it. That I like that. Yep. And it's a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, obviously they're just keeping track of the registration and going through all of that stuff I know is an additional task and. It is. Yeah, keeping the breed line straight. So, so um, I, I I didn't ask you this, but I, I obviously it sounds like you do have a boar. Uh, do you just have one boar for 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 breeding right now? So I have one boar on my property, um, hillbilly, and he is eight months old. Hmm. Um, he is a registered uh, red wattle, and then I will have another boar coming to my property this month. He was actually, he's been the sire to all of my litters, except for the one I did by AI. Yeah. Um, so I'll be having him come also, and he is a registered red wattle also. He's four years old. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I will have two. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah, that gives you some options then. Yeah, it gives you a little bit of a breakup in case, you know, somebody wants a breeding pair or, you know, I can mix and match things instead of just having one sire to everybody. Yeah, yeah. But the way that it looks, my young boy, he's trying to be the sire to everything. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got one of those too, yeah. <laughs> yes. He'll, he'll breed the other boar, he'll breed the tree stump, he'll breed whatever whatever's walking along uh, and not walking along, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, I was afraid, I was like, you know, he's, Cause he is pretty stout. He's three hundred. He's around three hundred pounds, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But I was afraid that he couldn't get the the older ladies. But he proved me wrong the other yeah. day, so I guess he's good. <laughs> well, see, yeah, see, that's the other thing about the hillside uh, farming is is because uh, I was the same way. I have a really old sow that's kind of become more of the matriarch of the farm and more so than production, which is you know, shame on me. But uh, it's yes. some, of, some of my younger boars were like, oh, I can I can get her when she when she comes past this uh, steep slope here. I'm just going to stand on it and wait till she comes by. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. and people people will be like, yeah, boar can't breed that sow. I'm like, mm-hmm, they'll stand on a bucket. Exactly. They don't care. <laughs> He'll figure it out. Yeah. Hanging from yes. a tree limb, whatever it takes. He'll get it done. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Yeah, my husband, he saw his first pig mating the other day, <laughs> and he was mortified. He got, because my... Hillbilly, it was the first time they had been with a guilt, you know? Right. And yeah. nobody knew what they were doing, and my husband called me, and he was mortified. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget the look on my wife's face, because we used to do AI before we got boars, and when I brought out one of those straws, and she's like, "Yes, why in the world is it shaped like that? I'm like, that mimics the anatomy of a boar, and she's like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> yes. You know, so I wanted, Penny had... um she had red wattles, and then I decided that I wanted to cross her with a Duroc because mm. this is another thing. 
where I live at, nobody knows what a red wattle is. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. And so it was, I, 90% of my sales are not in the state of Virginia. Mm. They are in other states. So sure. I decided that I was going to cross her with something that people knew. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it would be more appealing. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I'm across her with the Duroc. And uh, so I got the AI stuff. I ordered it. And my husband, he's like, this is just insane. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we go out there and uh, we, you know, I'm getting all prepped up to do it or whatever. And I made my husband sit on the back end of her. So she's saying still, you know. Right, right. And he's like, I cannot believe in my life that this is what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. You come to these points of realizations, like, am I really out here trying to impregnate a pig? Yeah. Yeah. That's when you know it's your hog farming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how, how did my life get to here? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, Molly, before yeah. I wrap up with you, I want to ask you a question to ask everybody else. And that question is, what is your best experience or favorite part about raising pigs out on pasture? My favorite part of raising pigs on pasture is actually getting to see a hog be a hog. All right. I, I think that it is the most, uh, it's the best experience for me whatsoever. It's seeing a hog do its thing in the woods, whether it be in woodland or on grass, it is something to be seen because most people see them in a, in a, in a confinement area. Yeah. And you don't get to see the real personality and the real, you know, traits of what they can do. Yeah. And I think I think that's what makes it the best thing for me. I, I love that answer. And I would agree 100 yeah. Uh, percent. Yeah. And there's <clears throat> there's so many anecdotal stories that we could have. And, and you tell people, oh, this pig has so much personality. I was just telling somebody the other day at church that. Yeah, my pig has more personality than my wife's dog. And they're like, man, whatever. Yes. And they just kind of look at you funny. But it's like, no, really, if you would come out and stand in the pasture, just like we were we were cutting trees down in the boar pasture Saturday, and I had a small sapling, a little beech wood sapling that still had leaves on it. And it was oh, yeah. absolutely hilarious to see two 500-pound boars literally romp around trying to play keep away with that, that uh, beech uh, sapling. So they were taking it, slinging it, slinging it like a dog would, run, you know, picking up, running with it. The other one would run and come and take it from it. And it was absolutely yes. hilarious. And it's like, people are like that. There's no way that, you know, pig, you know, Troy's exaggerating. There's no way a pig did that. And it's like, yeah, if you just come spend time in the pasture, you'd see exactly what these pigs do and what they're capable of. They're hilarious. Oh, and the intelligence. <clears throat> yeah. The intelligence of them. And they do, you know, each one of mine, has their own thing about them and you know and they do have their own personalities and they do play and i mean they're just they're better than any dog and i have nine of them (laughs) (laughs) but they're better than dogs you know i love my penny uh my sal she'll come running out of that mountaintop whenever she knows that she it's time to be fed and i love watching them ears flop around you know yep yep. and uh but no, they are they are great they are great animals, and just to experience them in their natural environment is is the best way to be. Because you know, a lot of people have a misconception of pigs. They think they're dirty. They think they're nasty. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you actually raise them, I, me and my husband laugh all the time because you know people say I don't eat pork. That's nasty. And I'm like, well, do you eat chickens? Because yeah, right. chickens are the nastiest animals I've ever had. No doubt, yeah. yeah. You know, but it is, um, no, they are they are a great thing. And, you know, I do promote the red wattle breed because that's what I prefer. But at the same time, you know, a good breed for your family is a good thing for yeah. you to raise your own hogs. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, and I love what you said about dispelling the dirty uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. That that that's that's a misnomer that people have, and they they just assume that you know, a pig lays in its own filth, and it's like you know, a, a pig can be house trained. A pig chooses to go to a certain spot of the pasture, or even if it's confined, yep. it'll go to a certain spot of that confinement and use the bathroom. It doesn't lay in its own filth. It's no, it doesn't. You know, and I I took a picture one time and sent to somebody because they did not believe me that pigs don't. Uh, lay or mess around in their own waste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I took a picture of part of the the grass that hits at the bottom of the mountain, 
there is a big circle of grass that's still there. Yeah. Right? Everything else is rooted around it because that's where they use the bathroom right, at. Right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's just, it is a misconception. It, uh, people think, some people think I'm crazy, but, you know, I try to promote the the beauty of the actual hog. I mean, yeah. they they can be beautiful animals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like when, when uh, this last uh, group that I have, uh, when I was weaning them, when I put them in my small weaning uh, paddock, and there's two areas for wallows, and they immediately uh-huh. immediately designated, okay, this hole of water, because I don't know what it is about a pig. It likes to stand in ankle-deep water and urinate. But it, it, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so <laughs> they all, it's like they all got together and said, okay, this one is the bathroom, this one is the wallow, and that's what they did. They designated this one as, okay, this is where we're going to go pee, and then over here yep. is where we're going to go hang out. And it's like, wow, it, they did that in less than 24 hours. It's, it's just neat to see how, how, how they work. Oh, it's, you know, I got a, I have a mini pet pig. She's a Juliana. Her name is Julep. And, uh, you know, she was house trained. She was, you know, she was better than the dogs. She minded. She knows tricks. But then she just got too fat and couldn't get up and down the stairs. So now she lives in the barn. (laughs) (laughs) But they, they are. And, you know, even as babies, you know, with those bumper boards, I've realized, you know, Day two, they know that that's their safe haven. Yeah, yeah. Behind that bumper board. Yep. Get out of the way. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, all right. Well, Molly, yep. I really appreciate uh, you coming on the podcast. I want to be sensitive to your time. I know you're probably getting some funny stares sitting in the parking lot of the. the uh... Well, the, the the police has already went by me twice. <laughs> yeah, you, you probably look shifty in that neighborhood. Maybe, maybe you have a reputation um, already. Oh, I do have a reputation. I lived down that holler by myself for, you know, the first year or so. Yeah. And people would be trying to come down there at one or two o'clock in the morning, you know, trying to drink and drive and stuff, get away from the police. Right. And, buddy, I come out of there like a wild woman. <laughs> so, yes, I do have a reputation when they, they refer me to as the crazy woman in the holler. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. You've reminded me. I got to I got to tell another holler story. So we're going to be sitting here swapping stories. But I, another yeah. holler story that I ran into is a very similar situation. Of course, people think our driveway is just a just an old dirt road that nobody uses oh. anymore because that's you know, we have mm-hmm. such a secluded entrance. And I remember coming home, it was late one, one night, I was, I was out late for work or something. I, I don't remember what it was, but I just remember I was, I was dressed for business. And I, I came home, and there in my driveway was a, a car parked. And, of course, when my headlights hit it, you could see all the windows were completely steamed up. Oh, yeah. And so I'm like, what is going on? So I just then I realized as I'm getting close, like, oh, I know what's going on. So I just, I just <laughs> yep. pull the front of my truck up right to their bumper, hit the high beams. And of course, there's there's two teenagers just absolutely scrambling to get themselves put back together in that car. <laughs> and, yep. so, and so I go to the driver's window. And I'm like, uh, excuse me, son, what are you doing? And he said, exactly. oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I thought this was just an old bad. I was like, I said, well, you, you need to get out of my driveway. And then I looked down at the girl. I said, you need to go home. <laughs> exactly. This is, this is probably not the most uh, reputable thing to be doing. So you, you need to maybe find a guy that's got a little bit higher measure of standard there. So Exactly. Yeah, it's happened down here. I mean, I've gotten <laughs> all kinds of stuff happens down here, but <laughs> yeah. but it don't happen no it doesn't happen no more because I, I I've tried to run everybody out. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing too. We've been there twenty years, so we we don't have any exciting times anymore because everybody knows that. Uh, yeah, you don't mess with that hollow. So, all right, well, yes. we'll we'll stop there, and and uh, like I said, I'll let you get out before the cops come and uh, give you a shakedown. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick, Molly, if, if people want to find you online, how can they find out more information about you? Okay, so if you want to look me up and see what's going on, um, I do have a Facebook page, the Copper Penny Farm. Um, for my hogs, I have the scalded hog of the Copper Penny Farming Garden. Hmm. And then I'm also on Instagram, and it's the Copper Penny Farm on Instagram. Very good. Very good. Well, yes. we appreciate you coming on, and uh, I, I pray you have a uh, have a good week up in the hollow there. Yes, thank you so much. All right. Well, it's good talking with you. Take care. All right. Good talking to you. Well, I really appreciate Molly coming on the podcast. Now, I realize going back and listening to this, I, I kind of let the joke about her not being from upstate New York kind of fall flat. 
at the beginning. But after you you heard the interview, you probably get that joke a little bit better. That you can you can tell by listening to Molly that she's not from uh, New England, and uh, and I, I kid her about her accent because that is that to me is true Appalachia. Man, I love it. That's uh, that's everything I grew up around. That's it, so much of my family. Sounds just like it. And uh, many people ask, Troy, how come you don't have an Appalachian accent? And to me, I, I always thought I did. Um, it may not be as pronounced, but I really don't know. You know, my grandmother, it was British. And uh, so I did spend a lot of time with her um, as a kid growing up. But I don't, I don't know that she influenced my accent per se. Uh, but she spoke very proper English. She didn't even like being called British. She was English. She wasn't British. But anyway, I digress. But no, I really appreciate Molly coming on and enjoyed talking with her and appreciate her input. Um, we had some couple side jokes there about some things that we won't get into. The uh, the challenge of, of her not having to put quarters in the swear jar. We'll just say that there. But she did really well. I didn't have to edit a single one. And then she said her family would be so impressed. Well, if you would like to come on the podcast, uh, please uh, reach out to me. Now, I, I have, I actually need to point out some things. If you guys have listened to this and you've made it all the way to this past one hour mark, and you think Troy keeps asking people to come on the podcast, I reached out to him and he did not respond. There must be something he doesn't like about what I sent him. That is far from the truth. Unfortunately, I'm finding out that maybe a small percentage of you all that send stuff to me via our website, I respond to it because it has some of my website header information. It may be ending up in your junk mail or your spam mail. So if you have sent a request to me to be on the podcast and you think that dirtbag has just blown me off, uh, maybe you want to check your junk mail or spam mail or go ahead and just send me something directly to Troy at RedToolHouse.com. And I apologize. Uh, like I said, I just found out here recently that a couple had ended up in somebody's junk mail and they were not getting my correspondence because of the um, the genesis of where that thread started. So by all means, please reach out to me. I, I will respond to every single person. And right now I haven't had any kooks or weirdos asked to come on the podcast that I've had to say no. So far, you guys have been semi-kooks and weirdos that stay in the pastured pig realm. So I appreciate everybody that's... <laughs> Oh, this is why I don't do podcasts in the morning because I'm full of myself. Anyway, um, I appreciate everybody coming on. If you would like to be on, by all means, you can go to thepasturedpig.com now and use that form to communicate with me. Or you can still do it at redtoolhouse.com or you can just send an email to troy at redtoolhouse.com. I pray everyone have a wonderful week. And those of you that are going to get the bomb cyclone, clone, 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 coming up the East Coast and into New England, I pray you stay safe and keep your pigs head above snow. <laughs> All right. Take care. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com. 